Character is who you are when no one is watching. What motivates you to do the things that you do? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you make the decisions that you make? What is the motivation behind the things that you say? Today we live in a world where everything people do, everything people say is motivated by one thing and one thing only. That is themselves. And what happens when people live for themselves is they tend to live an inconsistent lifestyle. You see, they only make decisions based on whether or not it will benefit themselves. And so you see, the way that they act in their family life has nothing to do with the way that they act in their work life or their school life, which has nothing to do with the way that they act in their spiritual life, which has absolutely nothing to do with the way that they act in their private life and nothing to do with how they act with their, in their life online or social media. Their character is one of an inconsistent lifestyle. But do you know what the foundation of a good character is? The foundation of a good character is integrity. Integrity. And that's what we're going to look into this morning. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And I'll even add to this. Integrity is doing the right thing for the right reason when no one is watching. A couple of weeks ago, there was a German goalkeeper, world-famous German goalkeeper, that left his wallet in a taxi cab. And when the taxi cab driver realized that he had forgotten his wallet there and he saw that there was 800 euros inside it, he decided to drive all the 70 miles to the goalkeeper's house. And when he gave it to him, the goalkeeper decided, as a token of his appreciation, to give him a jersey for the club that he plays for. And that's a great story. Except it doesn't end there. Because... This man later complained and became enraged because he said he drove all the 70 miles with this world-famous soccer player's wallet in his hand to give it right back to him, and all he got was a lousy jersey. You see, this man, he did the right thing, but not for the right reason. What about us? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we make the decisions that we make? Why do we speak the way that we speak? As Christians, let me ask you, as Christians, as followers of Christ, do our lives demand that we have integrity? Let's, say what, let's see what Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through Him. Everything that we do, everything that we say, should have a stamp of approval from Jesus. Not, we're not looking for approval from the preacher, from our parents, from our friends, from our co-workers. We're looking for approval from Jesus. Everything that we do should be consistent. 
And so this morning, we're going to look at how we must maintain our integrity even when no one is watching. And there are times in our lives where keeping our integrity is very challenging. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, friends. Integrity is very hard to find in today's world. But that is what God calls us to have in our lives. And so we must maintain our integrity when no one is watching and times are hard. Let's take Job for example. Remember Job? A righteous man. Just man. He had everything he could ask for. He had wealth. He had property. He had animals. He had servants. And he had lots of children. And one day, everything is stripped from him. His money. His animals. His health. Even his own children all died on the same day at the same time. And Job had nothing left. But we often forget, because we focus just on Job the entire time, the person, the closest relative that Job had that was still alive that we know of, was his wife. And she was also going through the exact same thing that Job was going to, going through. She also lost all the wealth. She also lost all the animals. And she also lost all her children on the same day at the same time. We couldn't imagine what they must have gone through. And then she comes up and she sees Job sitting in ashes with a broken piece of pottery in his hand, scraping himself because he had a deadly disease from head to toe. And what does she say? Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2 and verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Job, do you not see what's going on in our lives? Do you not realize you've lost everything? Do you not realize that we've lost our children and you're still faithful to God? Curse God. This is God's fault. And isn't that what a lot of people think today? They see their lives of suffering and they focus on the evil things that are happening in their lives and they say there must not be a God. And if there is a God, He must not all be good. But what, is, what does Job respond? In verse 10, But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? Take a look around you. There's evil evil everywhere we look. There is evil. There is suffering in this world. Do you think our lives would be an exception to that? Do you think we're exempt from suffering, from sadness, from tragedy, 
from sickness. You know, if, if life was all good, if life was nothing but sunshine and rainbows, no one would seek God. If life was all good, if life was perfect, no one would desire to go to heaven because this would be heaven. But it's the evil things that occur in our lives, the suffering, the pain, the anguish, those are the things that should lead us towards God, not away from. When our life is constantly changing, we should turn to the only constant thing in our lives, which is God. And Job said, shall we receive good from God and not evil? And we must do as Job's wife confessed and witnessed Job do. He held fast to his integrity. He lost everything, but in his grasp was still his integrity. In his grasp was still his faithfulness to God. When everything else was lost, that was still there. And so we must, we must maintain, hold fast to our integrity. When no one is watching, and times are hard, when no one is watching, and life is good as well. Let's take the story of Joseph, for example. Joseph, a righteous man as well. His life didn't start off the way he probably would have thought it would have started off. He got sold into slavery by his own brothers and ended up being sold to an Egyptian officer named Potiphar. And it was here in Potiphar's household where Potiphar would see that everything that Joseph did, God made him succeed in it. Everything Joseph did, God made him prosper. And so Joseph, and so Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything that he had. Put him in charge of his land, his property, his servants. There was, as Joseph said, no one greater than him besides Potiphar. His life was good at this time. Joseph's life was great. He had everything he needed. He was more than well off financially. He had a position of power. His life was great. But even when life is good, Satan, Satan is still working. Satan is still prowling around like a roaring lion. And Potiphar's wife saw Joseph and she desired him. And three times she begged him to sleep with her. Let's see what she says. In Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. And verse 11 says, But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. I want us to notice something, a detail, a detail that we often overlook in verse 11. 
Notice how it says that when Joseph went into the house to do his work, it says none of the men of the house was there in the house. Now, we don't know why these men weren't in the house, but I'd like to think, and it's very likely, that it was Potiphar's wife that asked them not to be there, that told them to leave. Why? Talk about the perfect crime. Talk about getting away with something, having no witnesses. This was Joseph's opportunity of a lifetime, and he could get away with it. Let me ask you something. If you were in the same position as Joseph, if you were presented with an opportunity where to commit adultery or fornication, and you know for a fact that you can get away with it, would you still do it? This was an opportunity for Joseph to make his life even better. But what did he do? He ran away. He fled. There was something more important to him, more valuable to him. Let's look at what Joseph's mentality was. Verses 8 and 9. It says, But he refused... And said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Joseph said, God has given me everything I have. God has given me all the good things that I have. He has taken care of me when I was sold into slavery and He has brought me to this place right here, right now. And I have everything under my control except you because you are my master's wife. How then... Can I betray God? How then can I turn my back on God? How then can I let Him down? That was Joseph's mentality. It was just Joseph and Potiphar's wife in this conversation. But God was present in Joseph's mind. He held fast to his integrity, even when no one was watching and life was good. But how about when no one is watching and it doesn't seem like a big deal? Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We read about Ananias and Sapphira the beginning stages of the church in the early church days. The Christians were selling their properties so that they could use the proceeds to give it to the apostles and the apostles would redistribute it among the needy church members. But Ananias and Sapphira, a couple, husband and wife, they sold their property 
and they sold it for a certain price. However, they, they talked amongst themselves. They, they talked in secret and decided, decided to say that they sold it for less than they had actually sold it for. Why? So that they could keep part of the proceeds and still look like they were doing a great job in the eyes of men. And so we, we read in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, told, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira thought it was no big deal. Maybe they thought, we'll just say we sold it for less, we'll keep part of the proceeds, and we're still being charitable, we're still being generous, we're still giving. But Peter said, you, didn't, you might have thought you were lying to man. You might have thought it was no big deal. But you lied to God. It's no big deal. That's what we tend to say about sin. We tend to trivialize sin. Oh, it's only, it's only a white lie, even though we say honesty is, is important. Or we say we, we shouldn't steal, yet it's okay to steal this little thing. It's no big deal. Or how about, yes, we, we respect the government's Authority, because God is the one who instituted and placed the government, the law of the land, except when it comes to traffic laws, right? Except when it comes to speeding down the highway and going over the speed limit, oh, then it's no big deal, right? To God, even the little things matter. We must maintain our integrity. Hold fast to our integrity even when no one is watching. And it doesn't seem like a big deal. Here's what I want us to understand. Here's the key idea. To have integrity is to be consistently and predictably Christ-like. Let me repeat that. To have integrity is to be consistently and predictably Christ-like. Which means the way I behave in my family life is the same way that I behave in my work life, my school life, Christ-like. And I am Christ-like also in my private life, as I am Christ-like in my social media and online life, as I am Christ-like especially in my spiritual life. We are consistently, but also predictably. People tend to expect that from us. P 
People know how we're going to react. People know what we're going to do in certain moments because of who we are. We are consistently and predictably Christ-like. Now, we've talked about situations that can challenge our integrity. We've talked about integrity. But here's the question. Why does integrity matter? Why does integrity matter at all? We know that it's, it's part of a Christian's life. It's essential in a Christian's life. Why does it matter? Well, I'd like to suggest three different things why integrity matters. First, God is watching. God is watching. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know, people think they can get away with things. And they might in this life. But there's something called Judgment Day where God will bring to light every secret thing, whether good or evil, and there will be no secret left on the earth. God is watching. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 139. If you'd like to read along with me, Psalm 139, starting in verse 7. David, the psalmist, says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is a light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Do not think that the same God who intricately wove you, who delicately, fearfully, and wonderfully made you in secret inside your mother's womb, do you not think that He knows exactly who you are? and what you do, and what you say, and what you think. There are no secrets in God's eyes. Though we think no one is watching, God is always watching. And God will bring to justice even all the secret things. So, why does integrity matter? It matters because God is watching. But it also matters because people are watching. People are always watching. 
Maybe it's a younger sibling. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe it's someone that looks up to you. People are always watching. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Ask yourselves this question. Can I make these words my own? Can I say to people, be like me. Do the things that I do. Say the things that I say. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Can I say those words and it be genuine and it be true? Titus chapter 2. Paul says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. We must act with integrity. We must be Christ-like in everything that we do and everything that we say and be a model of good works, an example. And we should have integrity in all that we do, in all that we say. Why? So that no enemy, no person can say anything evil about us without lying. There will be no fault in us. We will be examples to follow, just as Paul says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And so integrity, integrity matters because God is watching, because people are watching. But also it matters because heaven is awaiting. I want to conclude with a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, you're not doing these things in order to be saved, but because He has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably, inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we say the things that we say? Why must we live with integrity? Because we are heaven bound. Because it's who we are. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not the other way around. We don't obey Christ, then we love Him. No, we love Him and we obey His commandments because we love Him. It's the natural result of loving Jesus, of loving God, that makes us do His will. That makes us obey. And it's thanks to God's grace that we're able to be saved. There's nothing I can do ever to deserve heaven. Of course, we must live away the way like Christ, we must live 
in a way that is worthy of Christ, but it's because there is already that hope in me of heaven. As Brother Roger Salles says, we already have one foot in heaven. And so let's act. Let's act that way. If you're visiting with us, and you know that you still have not obeyed the gospel, you recognize how serious sin is. Sin is so serious in God's eyes that He gave His only Son to die on a cross for our sins. That's how serious sin is. But that also, also shows us how much love God has for us. And the invitation is there. God's hand is open, stretched out, so that you can take it and also be heaven-bound by confessing, by repenting of your sins, and by being baptized for the forgiveness of those sins. And if you're a Christian, brother or sister, and you know you have not been living a life of integrity, as you should, and you need the prayers of the congregation, we also invite you to come up.